This is Brian Croft. Welcome to another edition of Trench Talk, the podcast of Practical Shepherding. And I'm joined, as always, with Jim Sebastio. Hey, Jim. Hi, Brian. We're going to jump right into topic here, as we always do. Before we do that, though, you can go to practicalshepherding.com and access all of our resources that are there. Feel free to, to let us serve you in whatever way we can. You can contact us through the contact page. You can apply to come stay at the Shepherd's House. We'd love to have you come stay at the cabin. We have had a ton of traffic through there that's been really encouraging. You can also leave a financial gift at the donate page. Just go there and you can leave a gift there to help us with with ministry expenses and all the things that are happening here. And we want to dive right into topic. And this is something that, Jim, you you and I have have decided to talk about, even though it's maybe uh, it's a little controversial as of late, maybe a bit risky to have the conversation, but mm-hmm. we feel like it's important for us to have this. And, and we're praying that we just have a, a balanced approach with this. And that is the infamous... Billy Graham rule that uh, has really come up in in recent days, especially with the amount of uh, pastors that have fallen, uh, famous ones, non-famous ones, but uh, th- that's the cliche that the way that many ministries end is through some kind of uh, inappropriate sexual relationship with someone. There's been a lot of conversations about even you know abuse of power in those situations and what what is spiritual abuse, what is mm. not spiritual abuse, you know around the authority of a pastor in somebody's life and taking advantage of that. So we're not going to hit all those issues, but right. we do But we do want to take a few minutes to talk about this idea of the Billy Graham rule, which has gotten a lot of press lately, and we want to be able to try to have a balanced conversation about it. So uh, let's first define, Jim, will you define what is the Billy Graham rule, assuming, not assuming everybody knows what it is. What's your basic definition of it? We can't even assume now people know who Billy Graham is or was true. anymore. I guess right? that's true. So that's, that's going to be more the case. But let's so just Billy establish Graham, this. Yeah. So Billy Graham, uh, the, the famous evangelist, had, a, I'm going to try to simplify it, but it's basically it. He had a rule that he would not meet alone with a woman uh, and, and under any circumstance or situation. He yep. would not do a counseling situation alone in an office with a woman. Uh, he would not meet with a woman in his home. That sort of thing, unless there were others present uh, in in some cases, wouldn't do it unless his wife was present. But he would not meet alone uh, with a woman, and that that's 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 the rule. And we can look at the reasons for the rule or the basis of the rule, uh, but that's basically the rule. Well, should a pastor who is counseling a woman or getting together with them, and and this will touch on issues of friendship and other things, but generally, especially in counseling or in pastoring. Uh, should a pastor guard in any way a meeting with a woman uh, alone, the two of them alone, in a way that he would not meeting with a man? Yeah, that's good. And it, the and some of the implications of how Billy Graham lived his life uh, showed up in like I heard I heard stories. We were batting around a few of the stories we had heard that um, he would step into an elevator. But if a woman stepped into the elevator and he was the only one in the elevator with her, he would step out of the elevator at that point, mm-hmm. or he'd have always have a team member with him. So, I, you know, and again, these are uh, I, I've always kind of assumed some of these stories were were true, uh, but but I think one of the things we have to keep in mind when you hear about stories of how Billy Graham lived his life, he was arguably the most famous pastor in the world in right. his prime and in his heyday, and so. He he had an equal status of a of a movie star in a sense everywhere he would go, yeah. and so I think that's one thing to keep in mind when when we have taken this thing called the Billy Graham, which what I cannot confirm 
is that Billy Graham would want it called that, first of all. As a matter of fact, right. I, that, I recently, he was, that he was trying to set it I up. I recently right. even saw one of his one of his grandsons post something about how right. I don't even think he'd like the fact that this is called this kind of right. thing. So, but but that, that's what we know it as. That's what, that's what yeah, we're speaking of And it gained way. some popularity again recently with when Mike Pence was, was vice president. And oh, I do think there right. is, there is right. something about the two of those men, because they were public figures, yeah. And because there was the possibility of public scandal and because they had enemies, political uh, enemies, uh, both of them, uh, to a degree, that there could be people who would utilize a situation where they were alone with somebody uh, to a degree or weaponize it in a way that the average pastor probably doesn't have to worry about. Although, Brian, you told me a story, maybe we'll, we'll get to that, where sometimes you do have to be... Yeah, you do have to be concerned uh, about these situations. So that's the first thing we want to establish is as we're talking about this, this was made famous by a man that had a very public, well-known uh, ministry who would have tons of enemies who would want to find all kinds of ways to take him down. Uh, and so I think we have to remember that is where where this has gone. This is not this is not a rule for famous people, uh, which but that's where this this kind of originated, right? Where it's you know it's obviously transitioned to is that a lot of pastors or people in ministry because they want to be careful to uh, to not be doing anything they shouldn't be doing or inappropriate uh, behavior they're wanting to do things to be above reproach and to watch that so uh, that's what we're talking about here how does this kind of idea apply and the implications of it's really what we're going to talk about before we go there. Biblically, Jim, just how do we want to think about this particular category before we go any further? Yeah, so I'm going to give I want to give some some text, and then I want to just make make a few quick applications in regard to uh, why it is. It, certainly, as I was coming up, I'm 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 about to hit sixty here, so I've been in ministry. I mean, I've been in ministry of one kind or another since the late seventies, and so uh, this has been a part of my life and part of my yeah. part of my training. Yeah. And so it's rooted in things like obviously a pastor needs to be above reproach. That's uh, he, he, yeah, three, right? right. So he needs to be able to be a, a, above reproach. Uh, he needs to be in a sense of uh, you're, you're trying to help him to be above suspicion. And I, adultery or the suspicion of adultery, the potential that you would seduce or be seduced is the recognition that, well, first of all, it's a recognition that um, those things have happened. And they can happen, and they can happen to you. And so I was always told when I was younger in ministry, you you have to be aware of, they would say, a girl's golden glory. Those are the things that will take down your ministry, that you'll get into some kind of a sexual scandal, some kind of monetary scandal, or you'll become so proud that you'll undo your ministry. And they they just called it girl's golden glory. Interesting. Uh, So, again, that's, that's... uh, late seventies, early eighties type talk, and in, 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 so again. But the idea was, you want to be able to, you want to be above reproach. You don't want anybody to have any suspicions that, well, why is he meeting with her? Why does he meet so often with women? I saw a pastor out at lunch with this woman. Yep. Uh, pastor was having coffee with, or, or he's calling these women all the time and getting together with them. And 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 uh, where does that cross a line? Where is it that? It's inappropriate for a man in ministry. Where is it inappropriate for a married man? Where is it inappropriate for a single man? All kinds of questions get raised. And even when you're trying to do good, the scriptures warn, don't let your good be spoken of as evil. Uh-huh. And, and, and so that there, there are times when you have to be concerned 
not just with uh, my own heart and not just with the potential for starting something or inflaming something, but also with the recognition that somebody may misunderstand uh, what I'm doing. So if, if my neighbor saw me going and there was a, 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 a young widow or a single woman down the street and saw me knocking on the door at 9 o'clock at night and walking into that door and then never saw me walking out, what are they going to think is going on? Well, yeah. they, you know, they're going to have some suspicion that something's happening, that this guy is, you know, whatever. They, they're going to have something. And when the accusations come, you can't refute that you actually were there. Right, yeah. right. So so these things have led to, and this is kind of, the I think, the, the basis that men, mm-hmm. men would have for yeah. holding it, for those who do hold to it. Uh, and because we're going to get into the fact that it does, it has raised certain things that are, that that ra- that also raise concern on another side, but concerns for things like false accusation. It's a way to prevent false accusation. Yes. Okay. So that nobody can ever say, "Well, he was out with so and so." Look, you can stand before your congregation and say, "Look, I have this. Yeah. Everybody knows this has been my pattern. That you know, you know, we we you know, I don't meet with a woman unless there's somebody there. If one of you come to my office." The, the shades go up, the doors opened up, you know, whatever people outside can see. And you might say something like that. There's obviously the concern for our own selves with the possibility that our, we, we, we can get involved emotionally with somebody mm-hmm. that we ought not. A concern for, as I say, for our reputation. There's also a concern for the reputation uh, of the woman. Women need to be able to feel safe and honored in our presence. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if there are some women, if you invited them into your office and they said, well, is there anybody else here? No, it's just the two of us. And you mm-hmm. close the door and the shades are closed and everything like that. You, you don't know what her background is. She may she may have had a pastor in the past or religious leader right. in the past yeah, or right. a teacher in the past. Hey, teacher does that. We, we can't help but bring a sexual element to this. I know women don't want to be objectified and sexualized. The sad reality is that that does often happen. So the woman needs to be able to feel safe uh, and honored in that situation. So I think those are some of the reasons yeah. why, for my generation, this is fairly common. Yeah. For a rising generation, a younger generation, the Billy Graham rule is is for a variety of reasons looked down on or mocked as being some kind of maybe old school fundamentalist uh, yeah. o- over excess uh, to a problem that may not really be there. Yeah, no, that's a good point. And I think that's that's kind of the rub we're, we're experiencing with this. Uh, so, and by the way, I want to affirm also several things you said, just the idea that scripture calls a pastor to be above reproach. And there's... There's many things that pastors should do to be above reproach that don't have, you know, that aren't even in this particular area in relationship with with women, but just, you know, relationship with children, uh, relationship with with how money's spent in the church. Yeah. I mean, I, he shouldn't be the one counting the money, making the deposits, writing the checks for his own salary. I never, right. I never had the ability as the pastor of a church to sign a check. Yeah, I never had that that ability. Right. I asked to not be able to do that. Right. Now, some people are like, man, that's extreme. It's like, well, maybe, I mean, but I'm just that was the way I chose to be above reproach. The Billy Graham rule and the and the way that people would apply that is the effort that a lot of pastors make to try to be above reproach right. around these things. We want to highlight that, and for a lot of people, that has been helpful. Like, quick example, 
that that I want to share as we're recording this. I mean, this week I talked to a pastor who reached out to me, who follows this rule to, to very closely. The whole church knows he doesn't meet alone with anybody. Uh, who's uh, another woman who's not his wife, and yet a woman who did who was mad at him about something falsely accused him of having an inappropriate relationship with a woman that that proved to be not true. But he ha- what he had to go through, and what his wife went through and what the, the other people accused went through to try to figure this out. Uh, there was a lot of, there's a lot of damage that was done in the midst of that. So, you know, when we're talking about being above reproach, you get accused of having an inappropriate relationship with a woman. You get accused of stealing money from the church. Just in the accusation, right? you, you have to put the time in to prove your innocence in a lot of these cases. Yeah. And so we got to be mindful of that. But here's where I want to go with this, because I think all listening would say, yes, we all are pastors need to be above reproach, above board in all these areas of our life. What I want to spend a few minutes talking about, though, is oh, maybe why that younger generation frowns on this rule now, because there have been some implications around this that I, that I believe create a dark side to this rule. That, right. And, and I do want us to talk about some of those. So let me I'll go first and then I'll go to go to you on what's a. What's a negative of that has come as a result of this? Why maybe some would say that this is not good? One of the things I would say is that uh, it has given pastors an excuse to not care for women well in their congregations. Mm. And I want to highlight this one because this is the one that probably means the most to me. The one that I so I, I followed a, a, this kind of rule very pretty much to a T most of, of my ministry. But what I discovered in that is I still needed to make effort to care well for women and to that that it's appropriate there are appropriate ways for me to be able to connect with another woman as as I'm trying to care for her as her pastor. So in other words, I've seen a lot of pastors kind of just just kind of punt on their ability to right. care for a woman because of this whole dynamic and instead they farm out all the care of women in the church to other women to care for them. Right. And I just want to say for the record, I I think that's an extreme and also think it's unhelpful because I do think there's something about male the a male pastor being able to care for everybody in the church, whether it's a another woman or whether it's a child. And so pastors have to figure out how to have integrity, how to be above reproach, and yet still be willing to engage with women and children in ways that are appropriate, that they feel loved and cared for. And you have to make certain kinds of efforts to connect with people to be able to do that. And so I, I first want to flag that, and that's that's been a growing frustration of mine. I, you know, obviously we're practical shepherding, aren't we? I mean, we're, we're, we sh- we we advocate for the shepherding of people's souls. Yeah. And I have watched a lot of pastors, uh, I think, just be deceived, and they have they've. It's hard work to care for different people in the church, so they don't want to make the effort to care for women well, and they and they don't. They use this rule as an excuse. Yeah, and they can do that in other ways too. You Certainly. know, like like not interact with you know have the youth pastor interact with the young oh, yeah. people. I don't so they, the they, they don't me. they yeah. don't they don't know the kids or well that's they're, they're in the Sunday school and and so my ministry I have a public ministry but my private ministry basically is just to guys around my own age and my own own life situation. And, and I would say that so that that, that can happen. That certainly. I think is the in all in all the work that I'm doing, that is the number one issue around this rule that people are pushing back on. Yeah. A lot of pe- pastors have just uh, uh, skirted really their 
their responsibility to care for everybody in the church around being extra cautious and extra careful around it. Yeah, and again, there are reasons why we are cautious, and these things have happened, and they do happen, and the fallout of it is so great. I mean, you want to... You want to ruin your ministry, you want to ruin your abilities, you know, then, then you know, get caught up in, in, in something like this. But I think we need to be understanding in the, of both ourselves, but also understanding of the various kinds of women that we may come across in our, in our ministry. And, and, and even I want to even get to touch a little bit, Brian, on the whole matter of friendships and that sort of thing. Yeah. We're talking primarily here about pastoring we're talking here about matters like counseling we're talking here about um so that's what we're talking about so for some women we need to understand that if, if i said to, if i said to some women uh i don't it's a general rule i don't i don't you know i don't meet i'm not going to meet with you by by ourselves uh if you want to get together if you come to my house recently i had a, a younger married woman come to my house for some marriage counseling uh, somebody's visiting the church, and my wife wasn't there. My fellow elder wasn't at the church building, so we met. Um, we met at my house, but we met out, out front. Uh, we have a, a nice little, you know, deck area, so we we you know met 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 out there. Uh, and had my dog out there. You know, that's anybody driving by would see that. Mm-hmm. You know, they could see I'm talking to a woman, yeah. uh, but they also could see that it was all out there in the open. Um, I did not sense she was at all offended by that. I think she. I think a lot of women understand that this is how pastors will roll in some situations. Some women, however, might think to themselves, "Why in the world is he? Why is he doing this?" And I'd want to go through some of this. Well, some of this is I'm trying to honor you. Uh, I don't know what your background is because some women have it as their background. They've been abused. They've had men take advantage of situations, and those situations almost always happen when you're alone. And generally happen out, you know, out in the public. It doesn't happen when you're meeting yeah. some, you know. So it thrives in secrecy. Some of them are going to feel honored by you're doing that. Others of them are going to feel like, what are you? What do you think? I'm going to try to seduce you? And like, mm-hmm. no, I don't think that at all. That that's what you would try to right. do. That's not what I am conveying. But I am also conveying to you that if you would have any thought that I am going to manipulate this relationship or use this relationship to 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 be empowered over you or to take advantage of you, I'm not ever going to do that. Mm-hmm. And so again, the women of our church need to be able to listen to us. Stand and preach in the pulpit. They need to know that when we come over and approach them or we express a c- concern for them or engage them face-to-face, that, that there is, they may have had bosses, they may have had teachers, they may have had older guys, younger guys, whatever, their whole life who have sexualized them to let them know that I, I, I am not doing that. That's, that's the exact opposite of what I'm doing. But some women, if you do that, feel like they are being sexualized. Does that make sense? So it's the kind of thing that what you're trying not to do, you may wind up doing, and then you're going to ask, okay, am I doing in this case or in this relationship more harm than good? So that's some of the tension I think we have to – that was new to me. I didn't realize that that's how some women felt with something like, again, whatever you want to call it, Billy Graham rule or the I will not meet with you alone. They feel offended. They feel like – we are viewing them as a threat, and that's not really in my mind. It's more like I want to set you at ease and peace, knowing that I'm not going to be a threat to you. And and I'm sure there's a there's a lot of women that appreciate that effort. Like you said, it depends on the woman. I, I would assume. Yeah. But you know what comes with this though is 
that you kind of alluded to it, this rule, and again, the way some men apply this is it's coming out of, they look at all women as a temptress. Right. And, right. and that's how they view them. And so right. they, they apply this rule in that right. way because... They look at every woman at that in that way, which is just just not true. Right, and there are teachers it's, and preachers who are giving that they will they they are saying that essentially. Yeah. I mean, if they're not saying it explicitly, it's real close to it. But it it dehumanizes women exactly, and, and, and exactly. that's what we want to be able to highlight with is that okay, it's good to have a desire to be above reproach, above board in all aspects of your ministry, but you know, do not take this to an extreme out of protection for yourself. That you either view women in a in a very disrespectful way, or you don't care for women well in your church right. as a result that, of that. That's so, the tension. So I, you know, so let's let's hit a couple of things here, Jim, because I think when before the internet, before social media, even before cell phones, you know, the you had the, a rule existed like this. Basically, if I'm not physically with alone with a woman, I I can't really do anything appropriate. I guess the only other way to do that would be. You know, a phone conversation or something like that. Or a that. letter in or the a, mail. A letter, letter in the mail. That, and so, that, I mean, that's, we're, right. old, we're old enough to remember that's the old school days. <laughs> but it's, it's complicated now, isn't it? Yeah. Like, you've got, you've got cell phones. You've, there's email. There's messaging on numerous social media accounts. There's texting. And honestly, that's where we're seeing some of, some of the inappropriate relationships that take place among pastors and church members is is through all these different ways that messaging can be hidden. And so we do want to acknowledge that it's more complicated now around this. So we want to have this conversation one to say, yes, this is a this is there's good motives in this rule in general. There are extremes that have led to really unhelpful circumstances. And yet we need to have this conversation now because pastors I think have to to be particularly reflective on how we can be above reproach, above board with all these different ways we can communicate to somebody in a way that that potentially could be harmful or inappropriate. Wouldn't you agree? I agree. And I, and I have seen men uh, online, some of them in ministry, responding to certain girls or women, uh, you know, and you can see it. I mean, it's right there on a Facebook page or on mm-hmm. Twitter or whatever. So uh, a, a, a Christian girl writes something, and the guy looks at her profile picture and, and says something like, "You're beautiful." Yeah. Like, what in the world? What in the world? Would you, okay, would hey, you walk I, up to somebody in church and say that to their to their face if, if you saw them? But it's like, what are you what are you thinking, man? Yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, I mean, yeah, okay, I understand. I, I I might be able to understand what you're thinking, but that you would do that, that you would say that, that you'd put yourself out, that you shouldn't even be, you know, that, that all, you, anyway, I don't get into all that. But, you know, that, that kind of thing opens up an opportunity and, and you have access to people's lives and to the lives of women in the church and women in the church have access to your life and pictures of your life. And, and again, ways that yeah. never, ever could have happened uh, in the, in the past. And we can have a familiarity with people that comes through that. And because it becomes very, it's very common today to communicate with uh, texting and direct messaging and other things. That's more for a younger generation than Mm -hmm. it is for an old coot like me. I usually Mm -hmm. send like a smoke signal or something like that (laughs) to somebody. But but you have, but you know, you would have something like where, where, um, and and this is the situation (laughs) that, you know, has become known recently and is being talked about where it, it kind of got into 
the banter became overly familiar and coarse and and some of the that that's the best we that's all we know uh but you 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 recognize okay where can there be even friendships that are fine? I mean, there are. There, I mean, I, I hope I'm friends with all the women in my church. I mean, mm-hmm. in a sense, I'm not just pastoring them, but that we could talk to each other. Uh, if we came across each other out on the, you know, so we're right here, the yeah. uh, Quills Coffee here. That if they were in there having a cup of coffee and I came in, that we would have an opportunity to talk. Uh, it doesn't have to be anything serious, but we could. Uh, kid around a little bit and 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 say our, our goodbye, but that it's open, it's 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 friendly, it's cordial. Yeah, uh, they're in our homes, um, you know, quite often. Or sometimes you're going to be you know, uh, with your wife and 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 with others maybe in their home. They have an event, and and you you have that kind of. You're not pastoring, but they're in your church. You're friends and it's friendly. And I think that ought to be. I think uh, I don't think there ought to be a pastoral aloofness. I don't think there ought to be a pastoral fear of yeah. women. There ought not to be a view that you're going to try to take me down, that kind of a horrible suspicion. Uh, or again, and this unholy uh, sexualizing of every woman, young or old, yeah. as though, again, that's all they are are temptresses to us. That needs to be uh, called out and exposed and avoided at all costs. You, you said something important there, and that's, I think, a good kind of place to start in thinking about just kind of practically how do we think through this. Ask yourself the question, do, do I do I feel a fear towards women? Uh, and I think that's, you just mentioned that in passing, but I think that's an important place to start. You know, is do you, do you, do you, you know, have a, a genuine brotherly love for women in your church as their yeah. pastor? You know, or do you feel fear? Is That's one of the ways to say... That's one of the ways to determine how am I viewing women in my church, and and is it causing me from not being able to to care well for them as a result of that? Exactly. So you know when Paul says to Timothy, treat older women as mothers and younger women as sisters. Yeah, he does bring in an aspect of purity there. Yeah, yeah. But right. he also by using those examples uses examples of. Uh, of not just honor a mother, a sister, but also a family dynamic where it is appropriate for there to be a delight in each other, an open delight in each other, a degree of familiarity, mm-hmm. uh, a, a, and even a degree of appropriate affection that could be expressed with the verbal, I love you, uh, love you, sister, I'm thankful for you, Um I enjoyed enjoyed you know that time or whatever, and even on some cases, again, depending on who they are and what they've experienced, a, a degree of of appropriate uh, affection, which is you know again yeah. the the famous Baptist side hug, uh, which I can't <laughs> remember uh, who was the first one to come up with it. We could, we could give them the the Earl Johnson sister hug. Um, you know, so let's move let's move the last few minutes to just some practical application around this. What are some just practical tips you would put out there in regard to helping each pastor figure Because all these situations are going to be very different uh, in different contexts. So w- w- pastor's trying to figure out where's that balance line of, I want to be above reproach and above board, and I want women to feel safe in my presence, and yet I want to make sure I'm making an effort to care for them well personally. Yeah, so I, I think I think a life of of integrity and honor 
and one in which you have made it clear to them or articulate this thing to them. So that if you say to them, if, if she says, can we meet together? And you say, well, what would be a good time or what's, what's a good place? Well, could I come by around three? Mm-hmm. And you say, again, depending on the circumstance and some of the situation, you say, well, listen, uh, I, I generally, as a rule, don't meet with with women by by themselves, and and I've got I have I have reasons for that. I'm not accusing you of anything, you know, whatever. Hopefully, you have a relationship such that they know that yeah. they know you, and uh, you know. But you might need to explain a little bit and just say, well, this is how. Uh, would you be okay if we met here or there? Uh, is that okay? Or if we waited till uh, Friday, my wife's going to be home, and if we just met met at my home, that that just make it easier yeah. uh, all around. Is that is that okay with you? But you're bringing them in, you're explaining that, and and again, uh, hopefully, you're treating them with honor and respect. And if you do that as a general rule, I mean, if that's how if that's how you genuinely view them and genuinely treat them, well, then that's going to be in this relationship as well, because yeah. you, you treat the women, the women in your church feel safe around you. They know that you're an honorable man. They, they have reason to hope and believe that you're above reproach in these areas. So they feel safe around you. Uh, and, and so you can explain that, that this is a, this is a part of that. I don't want you to feel intimidated or and anything like that, particularly if you know they've had a past, but so that's where I would start is, is that if you're, your reputation is above reproach in that you have a reputation built over the long haul of treating treating women with dignity and honor and respect. Mm-hmm. So yep. they're not going to feel like, what, what in the world is this? They're going to say, well, he, is a, he, he, he treats all of us with this kind of kindness and respect. Yeah, that's so. good. I, I would say, just as a general principle, um, just because you'd want to be really above reproach doesn't mean you have to go extreme with the practices that you have. Right. So, um, in other words, I've, I've watched some pastors like, you know, don't even, you know, not even a, I don't even anybody hinted with this. So I go to the extreme of, I'm just not even meeting with women in any way. And, right. And I've watched guys do that. And, and I just want to say, I think the general principle is you want to work hard to be above reproach, but you want to find the balance in doing that well and yet caring for the, for the individual. So, you know, I, I think there's, I've seen, you know, there's churches that have, have done some things that uh, I think are good moves. So, you know, they they will meet, with, men will meet with women, women will meet with, with men in a church context, but uh, they're, they're not the only ones in the building. There's windows, you know, yeah. there, there's like, there's, there's, you know, I've watched, you know, I've watched windows get installed on doors of pastor's offices. Right. So, so there, there can be a closed meeting, it can be private, but at least there's still a measure of accountability there from just being able to see who's there and know what what's happening and those kinds of things. I think I think that's different for every situation. I just want to acknowledge that as an as an effort to say I want to be above board, above reproach. But you know, I also don't want to not be able to care for this woman if she wants to have a like you said. I mean, if she wants to have a a conversation with me and not another woman in the church because right. I'm her pastor. I need to figure out how to make that happen in right. a way that that makes me feel comfortable, but also makes her feel safe and comfortable. And 
and is uh, is, is going to feel honored by that particular effort. So yeah, and again, I think there's a variety of ways that that can be done, and that can be done well while maintaining that. And I do think it's important. I, I want to say this too, Brian, because we're we're delving into a little bit of this, you know, that, that we do be relational with the women at the church. So younger mother, mothers and sisters, that's relational language. You know, I, hopefully men, are, you're relational with your mother, you're relational with your sisters. My, my, I, have, I have three girls and one boy. My son is very uh, affectionate with his sisters, loves his sisters. You know, they, they have a, that's a very sweet, if that's a picture of brother and sister relationship, yeah, right. That's right. to some degree, and I'm, I'm not with all of that familiarity, but with, to some degree, the women of our church ought to know that we care about them, that we see them, they're visible to us, that we are appropriately available to them, that we care about them. So like, you know, that, so that when we meet a husband and wife together, we ask questions of the wife. We get to know her too, not just the husband. Yeah, you know, in right. that if they come to our house, you know, sometimes what happens is women are in one room and are you know whatever because a lot of times, you know, women are going to be preparing the meals. It doesn't always happen, but sometimes women are going to be preparing the meals, so they may be in the kitchen helping. So you're getting to know the husband, and so you don't really get to be relational with you know the the woman in the church. And I think we need to make sure that we have some environment where that can happen where we show them that I'm, I'm, I'm not just your husband's pastor yeah. and I'm not just going to pastor you through him. Uh, but I care about you. You're my sheep as well. Let's hit this one thing before we wrap this. And that's, I think around this conversation around even messaging. So, you know, do you ever, do you, were you willing to send a message to a woman oh, yeah. that, that, uh, you know, comfortable with that is there is there lines you have for yeah, that, around I, that? I, I i don't have nearly the concern i in fact i have virtually no concern about the the at least the way i've handled messaging again i'm <laughs> i'm at a stage in my life where i think to myself well what i felt like when i was younger versus what i feel like now is is different you know i, I realize i still need to I need to be careful in certain things, but yeah. by and large, yeah. uh, no. But if I, you know, if if somebody wants to to tax now, I I have had I had one situation in my life where I felt like a, a woman was being overly familiar with me, and so I had to yeah you had to stop that. Again, yeah. I don't know if there's anything other than that to it, but it was like I'm not comfortable. Yeah, I'm not comfortable going there with with that, and, and so uh, you know I may have to guard that to, to a degree. Sure. But by and large, uh, if somebody wants to text about, hey, I'm going through this situation, or there are women, there are women I check on, uh, I will check on with some degree of regularity, yep. just through a quick text, yep. how you doing, praying for you, yep. you're doing okay. And, and, and there are times where it would give an appropriate, now usually what I'll say is we love you, I'm talking, I'm talking about me and my wife, we miss you, we love you, you know, kind of a thing. Yep. Uh, 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 I think that that's a, an appropriate expression of, of care and affection. Uh, and I uh, I will always put that in the plural uh, yeah. in, with with a a woman in the yeah church. I, and I, I've done the same thing I think like I said I think that messaging as a general rule I think I think we can kind of go over the top with that as well but again this comes everybody's got their different levels of comfort there have been times where uh, where I I have sent a message that that maybe would would come off if come off personal that I would include my wife in the in the messaging of it yeah. and, and I've done that before if there would be any question around that just to again just, just a, a decision I make but if I'm interacting with a woman and, and and it's not of any kind of 
nature that I would be concerned would be, you know, taken in any other way. You know, I feel comfortable being able to message a, you know, well, my church, a woman was on staff with us or whatever. We're right. talking church stuff. Like, I think it just felt over the top to include my wife into all those kind of interactions. Yeah. But yeah. I, I, but at the same time, I think we do have to be mindful. We have to be aware of any kind of messaging because messaging is pro- is very private. Nobody can see it other than the people who are messaging. So I think right. we do have to at least still acknowledge the fact that we need to we need to approach that with a with a caution and just be aware of that. We ought to we ought to have the savvy and the awareness of our own selves, take heed to ourselves, that where we've crossed a line. Right. And, and and to recognize in our own hearts, in our own conscience, if your conscience smites you about this and you realize that you may have some ulterior motive in this and getting overly familiar, overly bantery, overly joking kind of a thing, uh, we, ha- we have to be aware of ourselves yeah. and that. Or if we realize that, okay, boy, she really, she took that in that way. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think kind of in summary, like we want to advocate for being above reproach. Scripture calls us to that. Uh, so we want to be above board, above board, regardless on what it is in our life and in our ministry. But you know, pastors, be mindful and make a lot of effort to care well in appropriate ways for the women in your church. Mm. They need a they need a pastor just as much as the men, right. as, and the children need a pastor just as much. So be mindful of everybody in your church, and that you're approaching that, realizing God's called you to care for each of each of those individual people. So. Can we take a minute and pray yeah. uh, for just all this balance to be found yeah. in our lives? Our Father in heaven, we thank you for this time to discuss. We have a desire to honor you, to do your will. And Father, be able to minister faithfully and effectively to those under our care, those that you have placed into our, our congregation. Our Father, we do pray you would give us help and wisdom in steering a, a straight course Uh, Help us, Father, to interact with the older and younger women of our congregations in a way that is um, appropriate, that is loving, uh, appropriately familial, Uh, but, Father, that is also guarded, recognizing that we have have a potential in our own hearts to do that which is grievous to you. So help us in these things, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.